0: Hello, welcome in. Today is episode 10, Builder versus Buyer. I am Adam Steiner. Um, so, I feel like this podcast needs a giant uh, nerd alert. Um, this is me and my uh, civil engineer and good friend, Matt Govelik, um talking about floodwater, stormwater drainage. Um, yeah, it, it gets a little nerdy in there, so just a, a warning. But I will say, this is a must-listen for anybody thinking of taking on a bigger, bigger piece of raw land and or... Um, a builder looking to develop. There's a lot of really, really great info in here. So give it a listen. Let me know what you think. Enjoy.
1: Hello, welcome in. I'm here with my good buddy, Matt Kovelek. We uh, studied civil engineering together at Purdue. Um, he is most likely the reason I stuck through college and graduated with a degree, forcing <laughs> me um, sometimes by physical threat to study, to go to class. Um, yeah, so I, I owe a lot to this guy. And um, right after college, we split ways. Um, I, as you guys know, ended up working for a home builder and Matt went the civil engineering route. So he's worked as a civil engineering consultant. He's um, worked under a developer, um, done some billion dollar, uh, what was it? Ohio River Bridges project. Yep. Um, and now is in local government. So Matt, welcome on.
2: Thanks for having me, Adam. That is by far the best introduction I've ever received. So
1: <laughs> thank <laughs> well, you. Awesome, awesome. Um, so Matt, being an expert here just in the world of civil engineering and especially when it relates to, I think you've got a lot of great insight on flood water, drainage, all that. Um, my most recent podcast kind of discussed a little bit about what to look for um, some of the DNR mapping tools, the fish and wildlife service mapping tools for wetlands and FEMA firms, all that. So that's kind of the surface level. Um, Just from your perspective, what should a client be looking for um, when they're selecting a piece of land as it relates to floodwater?
2: Yeah. So the first thing I look for is, uh, you know, is there any standing water nearby? Are you by a river? Are you by a, a lake? Um, is the soil uh, spongy, soft? You know, do you have cattails around there? Anything that gives kind of wet features. Uh, but all of those tools you mentioned are great resources. The, uh, the FEMA flood mapper is uh, the firm uh, mapper is a great resource. And then most state agencies have their own as well. And uh, so if you look on there and you, you, these uh, GIS tools are are great because you can just type in addresses now. Uh, you used to have to actually zoom into areas and try to find it, you know, based on a, a region, but you can type in the address and it'll zoom you right into the, to the location. and And you can check out, you know, your FEMA flood map boundary. You can check out your wetlands and make sure you're outside of that. And so those are some of the big uh, items I look for when dealing with uh, flood related issues.
1: Awesome. So let's say, let's say I've, I've got a lot picked out. I'm about to close on it. And then I go and check the FEMA firm. I check the fish and Wild, wildlife wetlands mapper and everything looks good. Um, am I good? Is it, is it fine? Can we guarantee no flooding? No, no issues, no nothing.
2: That's a great question, Adam. So the FEMA flood mappers don't always cover every region. Uh, They didn't have money to study every uh, square foot of the United States. And so they picked areas of high density and uh, areas that were known to be flood prone, uh, especially along uh, riverine areas, streams, uh, low lying lands, but they didn't map everything. And so I've heard a lot of uh, guys tell me, especially in the home building community, "Well, I, I don't have a floodplain here." And then when I look up look up their address, I actually find out it's just an unstudied area, which means that a floodplain could exist. Because remember, a floodplain exists anywhere there's moving water, uh, and so even if you have a lake and the water's um, you know filling up around the lake, you have a floodplain. And so, uh, but because FEMA hasn't mapped everything, there's some areas that will still have a floodplain, but it doesn't show up on a FEMA flood map. And so, you know, every river has a floodplain. Uh, It's just whether or not it's actually documented. And so uh, the best way to to really check it out is uh, there's a group of uh, civil engineers called, uh, um, it's basically State Floodplain, it's an organization for state floodplain managers Uh, and each state has their own. And on there, you'll find a list of experts that you can reach out to and ask about your area. If you're a home builder, uh, I'd I'd encourage home builders to get to know who their uh, local uh, floodplain experts are. And you can just shoot them an email and say, hey, what do you think about this area? It's unstudied. Do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, Those guys can just look at topography, look at floodplain maps, and find areas that they think, hey, this is an unstudied area, but it might actually still be problematic.
1: Great. That's a, that's a really great piece of advice. Thanks, Matt. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> when we, so I think, I think I missed one of these in my podcast last week, but we were discussing. Can you just break down for us really quick um, the floodway? I think the one I missed, Flood Fringe flood zone, and flood plain. Uh, what, are the, what are the differences there between those?
2: Yeah, so the flood plain includes the flood way and the flood fringe. And so the flood plain is the entire area that gets wet during a flood event. And I need to preface all this by saying this is what FEMA has determined will statistically get wet. It's not an actual... Um, characterization of what will happen. it's their best estimate. and as we've seen, their estimates are not always right. And so so the floodplain includes the floodway. The floodway is the area that's closest to the river or a stream that actually has momentum of uh, flood water. So that's that's the thing that you cannot really build within. If you do try to build within it, you have to do a lot of modeling to prove that, um, that you're not, uh, raising the water surface level. Um, I've done like 20 of those for bridges, uh, when we put a bridge in a floodway. Uh, but then, so the floodway you definitely don't want to build a house in, but you can, you just have to do a lot of expensive modeling to prove that the floodwaters don't severely impact the, uh, or that the house doesn't severely impact the floodwaters and vice versa. Then the flood fringe is where beyond the floodway, where it fills up the floodplain, And that area is where you have really shallow amounts of floodwaters. Then flood zones are different ca- uh, characterizations that FEMA gives uh, those floodways, flood fringes. And uh, so there's like a zone AE, which is what a lot of people look for, and that is the Um, that's where the elevation has actually been determined. Uh, there's a zone a where they don't give an elevation, but they show it on a map where the hundred year floodplain goes out to. Um, and then there's like a zone X for example. And, uh, and that gives you, you know, kind of a, a low likelihood that this area will flood, but it, it will flood and there's, it gets kind of complicated with all the different zones um uh, but that's kind of the general overview uh, but the one thing i do really want to point out is that you know the uh, originally F- fema and the national flood insurance program was started in the 70s and so a lot of the data they used back in the 70s um has been uh kind of it's outdated and so a lot of these maps have been updated but not all of them have been updated and even when they are updated they don't always have precise information. Um, and I can give you an example. One of my friends was looking at buying uh, 22 acres recently. And the uh, realtor was advertising it as 22 acres that you could build multiple lots on. Well, of the 22 acres, uh, 21 was all in floodplain, but it wasn't mapped. It The elevation that FEMA had shown um, went the elevation that FEMA had shown didn't match up with the topography. And so what happened was the area filled up with water greater than the map that was shown by FEMA. And so that happens a lot of times. And, uh, and I've seen that where it's vice versa. They, the flood map shows a really large boundary, but the terrain is higher nearby. And so it actually doesn't experience floodwaters. So you can have it both ways, it's it's inaccurate and that's why it's really important to get a good survey and get a good uh, flood um, flood expert to really review an area.
1: Awesome, yeah, um, I agree with that. And um, one note just on the FEMA mapping and flood mapping, I'm, I'm sure you know more about this map, but um, my assumption is the The amount of weather data we have is really limited when you compare it to like recorded human history. Um, so we're, we're projecting these hundred year storms and we really only have about a hundred years of data. Um, so it's just the worst event that's happened in the last hundred years. We, we really don't have a great forecast for what could come. And then you combine that with calculating watershed areas and how to, um, all the hundreds of thousands of acres, um, that go into that, there's just, there's just a lot there. So I don't necessarily blame FEMA for the inaccuracies here. It's just something to note.
2: Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And the, even the term hundred year floodplain people are trying to move away from that phrase and they call it now the 1% exceedance probability. And because that's, that's (laughs) what the true definition is. And that means in any year you have a 1% chance of having a flood event that is at or larger than what you're seeing. And so that's how people came up with a hundred year because it was a lot more simple, it was more simple to explain. Uh, but you know, 1% makes more sense and you're right that then there's also some climate variations that have changed too. That's, that's, we've seen that even in our County, we've seen a lot of, uh, 50 year and hundred year flood events in recent years. And, uh, and then also, you know, development has increased in watersheds and uh, not not all detention ponds are uh, performing the way they were designed. And a lot of them weren't designed well to begin with in the 80s and 90s. So. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of factors that play into why people are experiencing more flood events, 100 year flood events than they used to.
0: But you're, you're, you're
2: exactly yeah. right. It's, it has a lot to do with bad old data, too.
1: Yeah, interesting. Um, Switching gears a bit here, let's say um, I'm a home builder, you know, I want to kind of branch out, take on my first development, maybe try and take down five to ten lots. Um, What kind of advice would you have for someone like that?
2: I would advise them to find a good civil engineering consultant who has done land development before, and, uh, and I would partner with them and maybe sit down, Um, at their office and just go over the site with them Uh, it would be a good way for you to meet them and and see if if they would be a good partner on the project as a consultant but also they can really quickly give you in 20 minutes a good assessment of your site
1: yeah how early should somebody involve how early should you involve a civil engineering consultant
2: um, if I was a developer, I would do it as soon as possible. As, um, as much as you feel comfortable asking for, you know, free help or maybe take them out to lunch and show them the plot of land and discuss it with them. But yeah, it. I would do it as early as possible. Do these do uh,
1: civil engineering consultants typically have land surveyors on staff? Like are they usually in the same building or? Yeah, how's that
2: they work? can. Um, Usually the civil engineers that work with land development, a lot of them, they have in-house surveyors. If, if they do this a lot, uh, it makes sense to do it all under one roof. Uh, but if they don't, they have strong partnerships with surveyors where they can very quickly uh, get them under contract and out to survey a piece of land.
1: And would you say, I think I know your answer here, would you say it's worthwhile to employ all these people even before you're closing on a parcel of land?
2: Yeah, if you're just doing one parcel, it's a little bit overkill to get with consultants and and do all that. But if if you're looking at developing several parcels, uh, then absolutely, I would encourage it. Oh. Awesome. Um, well, yeah, I I think there's
1: a million things we could talk about here, but um, I I think we covered some good ground today. Um, but I don't want to deprive you, Matt. Um, I know there's probably some college story you would love to share for my listeners on my podcast. Um, You got anything to embarrass me with (laughs) Uh, any, any spicy info, anything anyone should know.
2: Oh boy. I could, I could go on for hours about Adam. So uh, we had a lot of fun, but uh, yeah, we were in the same senior design project and, uh, and uh, for whatever reason, the professors chose to, uh, ripped me to shreds up in front of everybody. I don't know if you remember that. But uh, but they, <laughs> we, when we were uh, giving our presentation to the class, you know, there were four people on our team. And I got up to speak. And I don't know, maybe it's because I used the word dirt instead of soil. I don't know. But they just ripped me to shreds. And, and they left you free and clear. So I don't know what that says <laughs> about, about us. But another little factoid, you and I both, <laughs> Had our wedding, re- or wedding um, reception in the same place in small town, Wakarusa, Indiana, which only has one catering facility. <laughs> so. Yep. Nelson's chicken, baby. That's where it's at. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Awesome. Thanks so much, Matt, for uh, coming in today. And uh, yeah, I appreciate you listening.
2: Thanks, Adam. Appreciate it.
0: And that's today's show. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. And as always... Thanks to Andrew Michael Metter for the music. Um, We'll be back on Tuesday for another follow-up discussion with Matt. We're going to dive into septic fields and what you need to know. So tune back in.